and welcome to the Hero Ball Pod. Today we're running the three-man weave. We got myself, Elkin, and Ethan and Richard. Fellas, how you doing? Fantastic. Couldn't be better. Doing all right. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit unused to this, like, one game, like three days off type thing the NBA is doing to me. Uh, how are you guys, like, handling this no NBA stuff? Yeah. I'm not liking it. I miss um, regular season basketball for this one reason is I could just come home, be here at four o'clock Pacific and just pop on NBA league pass and just watch basketball until I want to go to sleep. And that was a really good time. (laughs) But you know what? The intensity of the playoffs, I, everyone's why you do need a break and I I don't mind it. You know, it's, I got the NHL. Yes, too, so we I'm can about to bring that up. It helps me playing. watch some Stanley Cup finals, which, by the way, we have the Capitals up two games to one. A pivotal game four happening right now, and the Capitals are up 1-0 in the first period. Yeah, it's a little It's going to be interesting if Holtby can hold up. Ooh. Meanwhile, Richard does not care about our angel oh, me, me, Meanwhile, all I'm doing is scrolling Twitter for more Jerry Colangelo burners. That's what I'm about. So. Oh, Someone had to bring it up. Anyway, <laughs> so game two, well, most people would probably summarize game two as the Steph explosion that a lot were expecting to come at some point. But how did you guys view game two? Well, I viewed it I, – I kind of feel like I got what I expected. I expected mm-hmm. Cleveland to come out, try to try to set a tone, but ultimately fail. Like they ended up going down by, by 10 at halftime, you know, mm-hmm. and – it just I when I was watching them play, I'm like, man, it just if it I kept watching I'm like, man, if they take another blow, it's over. And that's just how I felt the entire game. Like every three pointer that went in, I was like, ah, that's the one. Ah, that, like it just yeah. it, even even when Cleveland was like, hey, let's have a good third quarter and like dispel the rumor that Golden State's un unsurmountable in the third, I still was like, nah, I just don't see it finishing. And that's the thing that Golden State can do to you. They have the the firepower to just blow you away. In such easy fashion, especially when Stephen Curry is whopping threes when he's at the end of the shot clock when he has no business doing so. Oh gosh, yeah, it was it was pretty ridiculous. And not only that, but some of like the outlier players for Golden State coming in and and getting some really productive minutes. I think of one Javale McGee. Oh boy, let him coming, know, Richard. Let him coming know. Coming in out from the set and you know slipping the screen, getting the pass, and dunking it. Like it was essentially he started the layup line that was the Warriors' first quarter. And, and I think you bring up you bring up that good point that all I saw. I mean, we hear about Steph, but that first quarter was just. I saw the defense just kill the Cavs. In it's the true. It was really impressive because, like, they got they jumped out to such a big lead offensively, and their defense, mm-hmm. like, you could tell they brought the intensity. But yeah. by the time the first quarter ended, Cleveland had fought all the way back, and uh, I remember I messaged you guys in the Slack I was like, "Hey, this is this is a good game right now. I'm I'm really excited yeah. that, that it's it's this back and forth thing." But you're right, Ethan. It's like it it just seemed like even though the Cavs were hanging tight, it's it's. Like they were about to be pushed off the edge of a cliff, and mm. um, and you know that's what ended up happening. Uh, Steph Curry just and went that's, off. That's one of the things I kind of felt coming into that game was that was for game two, we're either going to get a blowout or the Cavs are going to pull a close one, and it just seemed it wasn't going to be anything between either blowout by the Warriors or Cavs in a close one. And what happened? It was just the blowout. And once again, how Ethan brought it up it was almost just. I felt like it was a big snowball being just rolled up up a hill, getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger 
And finally, it's just tipping over. And after just that fadeaway three-pointer, it was just, oh, let's roll that big snowball down and take down whatever's in its way. Think about this, guys. Kevin Durant had the exact same amount of points that he had in game one, 26 points both games. But Mm -hmm. he took 14 shots this time instead of 22. And he also had seven assists, but I think he had six in game one. But that's mm-hmm. I don't have the box score pulled up. Yeah, like he played a game that was like very, very complimentary to everything else. Like he played what like Harrison Barnes at, at his peak, like could do for this team. And like the, mm-hmm. where I'm saying is like Harrison Barnes just played within. He never did hero ball stuff. Yeah, and you know while Durant was making the more difficult shots and still like just hitting these demoralizing medium um, medium range shots, it's just. You know, he, he played within himself and let Stephen Curry, like, drive the offense. And that's when the Warriors are at their best, when Curry's doing the most. Even though he had, like, a less than perfect night in terms of efficiency, mm-hmm. you could tell he was the one throwing the haymakers. Yeah, but, I mean, if you're 52% from three, you've taken 17 three-point attempts. I mean, my, you know, it was just it was just awesome. One of my favorite plays that they've been doing a whole lot, especially this postseason, has been, you know, uh, Curry passing it to – you know, one of the one of the bigs, maybe it's um, I don't know, Kavon Looney or someone off on the side, and then he runs behind them to the corner, and it's, mm-hmm. it's like the between the legs backwards pass to yeah. Curry three, and like the moment you see it happen, like Curry's defender like immediately recognizes what's happening, but it's too late, and like it's just really fun to see that panic in the moment that they have. It's like, oh no, he's oh, and then it's over. Yeah, and it almost seems as though one thing too is Richard, you kind of said. The Cavs' defensive intensity felt like it was there at a certain point. Even, even going into like third quarter, even before the Steph explosion, but it almost seemed like that explosion. It's almost worth more than just each three pointer. Like each three pointer is almost worth six points because then the Cavs are giving up more and more on the defensive end because you try so hard and you guys. I mean, you guys have all played basketball games. You work hard on defense, and you know that you have to work a lot hard on defense and offense sometimes. And then all the energy spent just forgot to make it over you. It's one of the most demoralizing things. Yeah, you could just see it in, in how they changed their defense after shots have been made. They'd be selling out so hard for Clay Thompson and Curry, like hedging yeah. and doubling. And all of a sudden, like, it's just Livingston wide open dunk. It's a JaVale McGee wide open dunk. It's just all these all these things that you would you, you can't have when you're the Cavs. You can't have these easy shots. It's got to be the, the crazy shots from Curry and Durant. and, uh, and um, Clay, the like it, it's just so frustrating if you're a Cavs fan because like you're watching like oh yeah you, you shut down Curry but then there's an open dunk for this you know scrub to say it you know <laughs> for lack of a better word yeah I mean the the scrubs you think of JaVale McGee and Sean Livingston uh, you know didn't miss a shot yesterday Sean Livingston has not missed a shot in the finals so far so, <laughs> oh, so man. he's coming out to out, MVP keep an eye out for that he's trying to get the uh, the sneaky um you know. The sneaky MVP away from Steph Curry, but in all wow. honesty, this this has to be Steph's to 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 lose. Probably he he he's definitely the front runner at this point with the two performances that he's had. Yeah, and that's what I'm noticing too. And I think as though LeBron's probably going to have even more monster of a monster game, game three and four most likely. If the if the Warriors pull it out, not if the Warriors, some people say, but when. Who knows? But I see Steph kind of just running away with it no matter what LeBron does. Unless LeBron starts averaging 50 again, that's the only way I can see it happening, going the other way. Now, here's a question, here's a question I have for you before you go, Ethan. Um, this is a different final series from all the other ones we've seen in that Kyrie Irving's not here. Now, 
obviously George Hill, much better defender than Kyrie Irving, uh, it would seem. How come it seems as almost as if like in previous finals, Steph Curry hasn't hasn't done this, hasn't been this explosive. And I, I wonder, do you think any of it has to do with maybe he doesn't have quite as much responsibility to like worry about Kyrie? Like, I mean, I know that that Clay Thompson would get the uh, would get would get the matchups in the past, but you know they always found a way to to get Kyrie or LeBron on him. Do you think that this helps at all? Where it's George Hill, even though George Hill's a better defender, or what do you think is kind of going on here? I think it comes down to there's in a lot of ways there's a personal like matching each other. When Kyrie's pouring in these difficult shots, which he's patented, you know that step back to the right, even more so than Curry, um, you got to go out and match that. So like I feel like Curry would compete against uh, Irving directly in the difficult level of difficulty of shot, and so he'd force his game a little bit more than letting like you know like we've seen him just walk walk into these open threes, you know, b- between ball movement and some saucy dribbling. Um, not to mention, if Curry's the guy you want to attack, you had LeBron and Irving attacking him. Whereas this year, it's just been LeBron so right. far. Kevin Love, like even like he's not good. Like they're not getting Kevin Love like on Curry in the post. So his that's like a matchup that can't even exploit Curry. So like it's it, I think it's a combination of those two things: him not having to keep up with Irving, and also you know there's one less guy that you have to really guard and you can't exploit him as much. Yeah, and I definitely see the way that the difference in which Irving and Hill attack when they're out there playing basketball. I mean, you see Hill, if he's going to pick and roll, you can almost expect him looking at to dish it off immediately. Whereas Kyrie's opening up both options to dish and shoot it. And it puts more strain right after a Steph Curry gets switched on him, it puts more strain on him defensively and almost not just matching him shot for shot, but even trying to keep up with all those dribble moves. It's almost like Steph is getting a taste of his own medicine. And Steph has to realize that it's, he sees how taxing it is. And I know someone might say, well, he might have been a little bit bumped up, bumped up, injured in the other finals and all this stuff. But even I think about it felt like 2017, he was pretty healthy. 2015, he was pretty healthy. And those finals, he did not have that outstanding of performance. Yeah. I, I mean, it's not like he had to you know, match up with uh, Kyrie very yeah. many games in 2015 because he went out after game two. Yeah. But it's just, I don't know, it, that's, it can be a level of maturity, just getting more in tune with your game. You know, he was his first finals in 2015, which he probably still deserved the MVP overall, but whatever. <laughs> it went to Iguodala. Iguodala. I mean, it's just – it's Curry's really good, and so is Kyrie. Yeah. So if they equal out, Curry looks a little bit less impressive. Do you think, do you think if they would have ran it back, same teams, that the Cavaliers – I mean, you would have Irving back on there and all that stuff, that the Cavaliers would have more of a chance this year? Clearly. Clearly. I mean, you just have that extra guy who can pour it in. I mean, mm-hmm. but if Ky- the same thing, if Kyrie was on the Celtics, they might, they pr- might've beat the Cavs. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's an endless, endless cycle of possibilities. But of course you have two guys who can go off for 50 in a game. You're, 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 imp- you're improving your chances. Yeah. And definitely. then you almost, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Richard. I don't want to take your, <laughs> I was going to say like, yeah, but maybe you also don't get these uh, Herculean efforts from LeBron just because he has to be the one to do it all. Like you, you're still going to get phenomenal performances, but you probably don't get the 51 that you got in game one from LeBron. If Kyrie's there to, you know, take some, uh, you know, t- kindly take some of those shots away from, from LeBron is, you know, he had to really just make it happen. Now, did you guys get to see the, um, the video they had, the video footage of game one after 
after the end of game one, in between game uh, end of regulation overtime, you guys see the footage? Yes. Yeah. What did you got? What are your thoughts on that? Anywhere from you see him walking back. Obviously, LeBron's body language says a lot. To even the point where Ty Lue finally tells LeBron we had a timeout. To Kyle Korver kind of forcing LeBron to get in there in the huddle or put his hand in. What do you guys think about all that? I mean, it's just you know, body language. Doctor says it's not looking good for Cleveland in terms of. Um, LeBron James being staying engaged and staying, you know, uplifted. Like it, I mean, like it's just he knows how important that game was to win. Even if it turns into a forty-point loss for you within, in Game Two, because you get super engaged, Golden State. You needed you need a steal game in Golden State if you have any chance of winning, and mm-hmm. that was definitely your best chance. Like you would have ever predicted. Yeah. Also, shouts out to Kyle Korver when it's the gloomiest possible the entire season going, basically giving a standing ovation as if, you know, as if it was his daughter's piano recital or something, just really trying to hype LeBron up with with some applause or you know clapping, even though he was it was really rough. I know. I think. But the thing that kind of and I know you guys already covered game one is just me saying it. I have been on a few games playing high school basketball, varsity, I've been at the end of that where you kind of just try, you do, you do your best, you go all out, only to have one play determine everything, and it's real defeating. You almost could have felt like overtime, all right, LeBron's having a dominating game. He still could have done something. And now I'm worried still after watching that game too that LeBron almost still just like after that game one, he's like, why am I even trying this hard? That's what I worry about. I think the effort will still come, but I mm-hmm. – it, it did look a little bit in game two where he was like, all right, let's see if you guys can keep me in the game. If you get me to the fourth quarter, I'll win it for you. And it obviously didn't work out that they like this, the, the others couldn't get him all the way there. But that's that's kind of how mm-hmm. I feel like he played that game. Um, and Ethan, I have a question for you, though. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, I thought about this. As a Heat fan, remembering the 2014 finals and the loss with the Spurs, Watching LeBron, does he look the same to you as far as when LeBron was almost like this team can't doesn't have it against the Spurs, or is it different? I don't know. That team still had a defensive identity, mm-hmm. and they were make as like the Spurs just pr- showed like how much ball movement makes a difference for a team in that series. Yeah. Whereas, like even if like if you just transpose the Heat's defense to this team. Like Golden State is is beatable at that point because then you're mm-hmm. relying on Curry to like make all the crazy shots, Durant to make all the crazy shots. With this Cavs team, like they can't even get the communications right. Like Curry, could, if he just pays attention, he's going to hit whoever that diver is every time, and that's that's a hundred percent shot when it's a guy to rim, other than Javale McGee. So like, <sighs> by language wise, like I think it's similar, but like no, nah, it's not the same. No, LeBron, like I think the the Spurs. The Spurs Heat thing, a combination of the the the, the cramps and the whatever game that was in San Antonio, I can't remember which mm-hmm. if it was one or two. Um, it just it was a unique situation that that entire thing. I I, I don't know. Dwayne Wade health always waning, like it completely different scenario than what we got here. This team just stinks. <laughs> I will say a similar scenario is I think you can you can see a little bit of the. Uh, LeBron may be thinking about, okay, it's it's time to get out of here. Uh, he's looking around the huddle and he's seeing a washed up J.R. Smith. He's seeing, uh, you know, Jordan Clarkson and all of the Jordan Clarkson shots that he took. All of it. Like he's looking at Larry Nance saying, this is not the team that's going to carry me next year. Like these, these aren't the guys. 
I mean, I, I look at this team and I just think to myself, there's no way, there's no way he, he stays after all of this. If the Warriors win, and let's say Steph Curry has beat LeBron three out of four finals, where does that put Steph Curry comparing him to LeBron? The way, the way I think of it is I still hold LeBron in higher regard because of just the team makeup that they both had. That's what I look at. Because when the teams were even, when LeBron had, I would say, even team 2016 compared to Steph's team, to me it felt as though LeBron's team, even though, I mean, they needed the dream on suspension, were able to go ahead and win that one. Oh, let me just say, I, I have no interest in in comparing these two players because of their like. I have as much interest in like comparing them as I do LeBron and, and MJ. Like, obviously, the the debate for like greatest ever or whatever, you know, that's that's out there. But like, LeBron James has been so incredible uh, like this entire postseason, his entire career, even like he's just been so so good. And Steph is just phenomenally great at something totally different. He's just the best shooter that that's, you know, ever been in the NBA. And when he gets hot, it's, you know, it's something it's amazing. We saw, we saw it last night and, and but I, I don't, I don't really want to compare these, these guys. It's, it's, I think it's a fool's errand to do so because of, you know, just, it's just such a different situation that both of them are in. And with that, and with that being said, no one's out here thinking about comparing Stephen Curry to Michael Jordan. So like, I think that answers your question simply enough. But, no, it's a completely different thing. It's a completely different uh, type of superstar. It's, it is it is a fool's errand, as, as Richard said. Um, he, You know, Curry is a very unique guy, but, you know, he's paired with a another sharpshooter in the backcourt that plays defense for him. He's they, mm. these, these traits don't translate perfectly. So then moving on forward, we're going into game three. I, at this point, I almost give up hope to watch game three, not because I won't be able to watch it, but it seems like it's so far away. Um, what do you guys think the, can the Cavaliers do? Because I do expect the Cavaliers to have some good of response because role players tend to play better on home. So how do you think they're going to do, or what do you think they're going to do? What plan are they going to have? I think you got to look to um, get Kevin Love featured early, try to get him his shots. See if you can find some fire there. Like it needs to be the first five minutes, seeing who's going to make some shots. And if not, LeBron's got to do his thing and be selfish and play play for himself. If you if you're looking to win the series, if you're looking at um, wins as soon as you can get your reservations to wherever you're going in the off season, um, just let Jordan Clarkson play a lot. Yep, that was I was going to say more Jordan Clarkson if that's the goal. Wow, he was so bad. I know that's the thing. I mean, he just. So why why do you think no Rodney Hood? Do you think he could even contribute at all in this series? Well, you would you would think he's he's got to be a part of the LeBronless minutes if they do in fact occur. And you got to think he's a better person to pair next to LeBron than Jordan mm-hmm. Clarkson. Jordan Clarkson makes no sense on a team that has a competent ball handler. If you don't have a competent ball handler, Clarkson might have a, a role there. But like in just terms of live bodies, Rodney Hood's six seven six eight frame is just so much more useful in a court that has a finite amount of space than 6-3, less than, I don't know, I mean, Jordan Clarkson's just not an NBA 15% final. shooting, just go ahead and say that. We don't need that. 15%, um, gosh. And, I mean, uh, where I look at it as to with a Rodney Hood, like rolling out a Rodney Hood, a Jeff Green, LeBron, I know it's not the same thing, same players that the Rockets have, but I see it as 
you have more defensive flexibility as well. That's what I see it as if they start playing Rodney Hood more. Yeah, I would like to I would like to see something along the lines of George Hill, Hood, Jeff Green, LeBron, and Tristan Thompson. Like you're you're sacrificing the shooting with Green in that scenario. But defensively, that team should be fine. And if but the thing is like what they're doing instead is putting Smith out there, which is really probably just as good as Hood, just because Hood doesn't achieve on his potential. I, mm-hmm. I think the point is, fellas, that there's really no way to scheme to beat these Warriors team that's going to actually work. You just got to hope that Durant and Curry both have an off night and that Clay doesn't go nuclear. Yeah, I think the closest we've seen is to essentially the game plan that the Rockets had. That's probably the closest that we saw. I mean, but they had a lot better players in this team than the yeah. last one, LeBron James. True. And then now with the Warriors, possibly Andre Godal has been reported to be pain-free and looking to return. But he's been gone for a while, so I know you gotta. When you're out for injury, you're gonna be rusty, especially after being out for almost two weeks. Thankfully, they don't rely on him for offense, so that doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, if he can move his feet and stay in front of LeBron James at, the, at that's all. That's all they need. Yeah, that's all they need. All they need him for. He doesn't have to score any points. If if I'm the if I'm the Cavs, one person who's not gotten involved that I really want to get involved is Kyle Korver. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean, because it's not like they haven't tried, but Kyle Korver has not been able to to get to get much of a shot off at all. Like he's gotten just a couple, and and that that's it. It's just it's been really rough. He's taken six attempts um, for the entire series, I believe, and that's not what you need from basically what you would assume as like your third leading scorer. You know, you, you you hope with with the three pointers that he was putting down last series against the the Celtics, you would have thought wow. he would have been some you know someone pretty big this series. Yeah, Richard, actually, I looked it up. He's gone. He shot four three pointers and only made one up until this point. Yeah, yeah, six attempts total. Like, the thing is, Kyle yeah. Corbett doesn't have the athleticism to run away from these Golden State guys. Like, I think yeah. the best thing you could hope for is that Nick Young somehow gets on him, and that's how he loosens up. And but other than that, like, what what do you want this guy to do? He's thirty seven years old. He's older than everyone else on the floor, and he's mm-hmm. not as athletic as anyone. So, yeah. like, in terms of limiting shooters, you can rough them up, and or you can just chase them chase them down. You look at the Celtics guys. Some of them, you know, Marcus Smart is one who comes to mind who's a great defender. But like if he was caught, you know, trying to rough up Kyle Korver and then got beat on a screen, you know, that's the split second not being the quick burst Marcus Smart doesn't have, that's how he gets opened up. Terry Rozier, a little spacey on defense from time to time. Like those, those things can happen against – and just Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those guys are young guys. They're going to make some mistakes in their uh, first and second postseasons. This Warriors team doesn't really have that in terms of guys who are just going to be spaced. You have the loon out there, but he's – like he's probably not the guy who's typically matched up on Corver. Yeah, and the like, problem is he's active on defense too. He is, and, and Jordan Bell – is very much the same same situation. You basically have Livingston and Nick Young are the only guys you could hope to take advantage of. Livingston because of the physicals, Nick Young because of being having a, a spacey brain. Um, but it's just not it's not going to happen. I, I just don't see how you can get thirty seven year old Kyle Korver better shots on a consistent basis because he's just he's just not that guy. He can't yeah. be your third scorer. He needs to be like your fifth yeah. scorer if you have a good team. Yeah, that's that the problem. True. We don't have a good team. <laughs> hey, we've, we've came back around. Although I will say, George Hill's played pretty well outside of that free throw. 
Kind of. I mean, I mean, yeah. I'll say George Hill's played fine. I mean, he's gotten foul trouble both games. Yes, which lets um, me know he's active. That's nice. Know? I mean, it's just yeah, active, active, or get just. I mean, like I don't know because some of these fouls I'm watching him get in the first quarter. I'm like, man, you're just not being smart with your with your body positioning. But yeah, look at me, um, 250 pound, six two guy that can't couldn't couldn't get past George Hill if I tried a thousand times, you know. And I'm telling him how to position his body, but. You know, it's George Hill. I like his activity. I like how he's you know putting forth effort. But I do, I do wonder like how much, how much can you really depend on him? Because he, he even him, he's like not an athletic freak compared to Curry. So he's not, he's not getting you anything in ISO. He needs to be your third scoring option, but he can't do that either. It's, there's no one on this team who can be a third scoring option other than Kevin Love. But he has to be the second scoring option. And there you have it. So essentially, the Cavaliers are. They're missing a big piece, which was a void left by one Kyrie. Yeah, and and and, and who look, knows? Go ahead, Ethan. Sorry. So the one wrinkle that they had was maybe we can just bludgeon them with Tristan Thompson, beat them up inside, and then they start Javale McGee, and he, you know, doesn't have like a, a you look at his plus minus in game two. It wasn't really a factor, but like he was in there just getting easy buckets and boosting the defense up. So, like, what are you really going to do, fellas? I don't see an, an answer. Yeah, and that's what we kind of picture LeBron just going back, saying, like, what am I doing? He's honestly at this point just like, all right, what type of team do I need to beat them? And just thinking about what pieces does he need because he looks around and he sees all the pieces he has, and he's like, well, this isn't going to work at all. And I even think back to what they did right in game one to see, oh, are they going to try a different strategy? Are they going to try to replicate? But it's almost like with the Warriors, I mean, that's just their planning. They know you're going to try to go back to what worked, and then they'll figure out a counter, and that's what they're supposed to do. If you have a good coaching staff, they saw what your weakness was and then correct it. And I'm worried. I remember game three last year, was the infamous Kevin Durant three-point over LeBron, where the Cavaliers, if I remember, they jumped out to a big lead in game three of last year, right? And then the Warriors came, these came back at the end. I'm tracking. I can't remember. I don't know. I mean, that was the first of the – the 40-40 games, wasn't it? Because they, they did that twice last year. Yeah, But, yeah, like they, they ended up – the Cavs ended up letting that game slip away, winning mm-hmm. game four later. But I, I can't remember if they jumped out to a big lead or not. But, no, like they, they had game they had game three in hand and let it slip. And, and, I, and that's the thing. I can imagine the Cavaliers tying it up 2-2, but I can also see a scenario where they get swept 4-0. I can't see a scenario where they win both the games. I could see Golden State sleeping on one, but I, I just imagine like, like I said, f- prediction winning in five, which mm-hmm. is the easiest prediction to make in terms of, oh yeah, they they sleep on one so they can win it in the bay. But I mean, I I don't. LeBron would have to impress me even more than he already has. For, for for them to pretty hard to do, <laughs> yeah. For a guy who like yeah. loves LeBron as much as I do, um, no nah, man, I don't see it. I could see I could see them getting one if if they're gonna get one. I could see it being game three. Yeah, because uh, the crowd's gonna hype him up. Role players are gonna perform. Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll have a moment of belief, and and who knows? Maybe they can. Maybe people can start hitting a few shots early on. Like what's the th- what's the percentage line from three the Cavs have to shoot? Because twenty seven percent and then thirty three percent. 
got you, I mean, 27% almost got you a win, ironically, and 33%, you weren't really close. Like, what is that line? Like, do they need to shoot all the way up to 40, or can they get by with something in the 30s if LeBron's going nuclear? Like, I guess the better question is, what can get you to within five points with five minutes to go? Because that's when LeBron can win you the game by himself. Yeah. Uh, give me 40, please. <laughs> oh, 40? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be quite I mean, nice. Yeah, if if the Warriors are going to play like they did last game, then you're gonna need you're gonna need something something near forty, and you're gonna need something with LeBron uh, giving you forty points, and and you know it's gonna take Jr. waking up. It's gonna take uh, you know Kyle Korver getting not old. It's gonna take Kevin Love also hitting some shots in the outside. It's going to take Chetty Osmond getting some minutes. Oh, I mean, I'm, just I'm, over Clarkson anyway. Just over Clarkson. Yeah, it's actually yeah. going to take anti-minutes from Clarkson. We're actually going to have to like give him negative minutes if possible. I mean, I think at this point, Tyrone Lou, I'll be that's what he needs to do, right? I mean, that's what we're thinking he needs to do. Just go ahead and put Clarkson on the back burners and play Osmond and Roddy Hood a lot more. Yeah. This is going to sound stupid. I'm going to go ahead and preface this. Is there any way to like get Jeff Green the ball in terms of like get him moving towards the rim like without him having to create it? Like I'm thinking about like what Dwayne Wade. And this is complete, obviously not a fair comparison, but Dwayne Wade was such a good cutter off ball. Is there any way to scheme Jeff Green open where he can go up and just attack the rim because he can dunk well? You know that's just a thought. So he, here's here's what you got to do. And whenever they did this, Golden State didn't really have an answer, but then they didn't continue to go to it. Basically LeBron gets the ball in the, uh, you know, near the elbow on one side and they schemed it a couple of times where love, uh, love was able to get a pick coming from the corner and he got a couple of dunks. Uh, that happened a couple of times in the game, uh, once early on and once a little bit later. I mean, if you can run some of that action with, uh, we're getting Jeff Green in there as well, just to, to give us some different look. So it's not the same each and every time. I mean, that's, that's how you do it with LeBron as a passer up, up, you know, up near the free throw line. But, I mean, I guess you can only run the same play so many times, you'd think. Right. Last thought I have, and I was talking this with Ben, who I was watching the game with. I'm not a big fan of setting ball screens for LeBron in this series because that you're just enabling a double team with no one on the Cavs who can really attack when LeBron gets mm-hmm. the ball out of that double, double team. Is that something you guys – like feel the same about because I don't like it at all. Like I like the idea of having like LeBron just like kind of like operate. If you're going to have him the, like have him start with the ball, you just have to run uh, back screens and stuff for the guys off ball and try to like will them open and then LeBron go ISO and find the, the shooter or cutter after the fact. Yeah. I mean, I think that's strategy could work. I think about how LeBron's able to get a lot of his points is, He's able to go and try to attack before there's defensive help. Him attacking before there's that help, and almost like you brought up when they set that screen, it gives the Warriors a chance to double, and then who's going to create? But the problem is that sometimes I worry that LeBron's not setting any screens that the Cavaliers players would expect him to do a lot of cuts, a lot of movement, but most of the time I see them just standing still around the three-point line or hovering around the baseline. Yeah, I, I think if you if you do that, I mean, there are some ways that you, if you're the Cavs, you can have an on-ball pick and, and not get doubled, but it takes, you know, a lot of initial movement right when the pick's happening and you're moving, like, opposite sides. The problem is you don't have the 
the personnel to be doing that very well because if, if you do have an on-ball pick with LeBron, the guy who's one player away, like help is just going to totally, you know, suck over. And LeBron can hit hit the guy in the corner. He's done it a couple of times, but that guy in the corner's got to be ready to make some shots, and they they just haven't. I think about this past game when that that a similar situation happened. Jeff Green catches the ball in in the corner. He he didn't do the footwork ahead of time, and so he kind of caught it flat footed, and then did a couple of dribbles, and then took a contested fadeaway three. It's like he doesn't have the people who are who are ready to be in position to when they double be able to counteract it and beat it. And it's just the problem of LeBron has a stinky team, and it's unfortunate. Yeah, I um, I think we've we've hit it. That was the last thing I had to be honest with you guys. I that, that was just a, my last observation was I just don't like the idea of setting these ball screens with LeBron unless it's the guy unless you're sending whoever Curry's guarding towards him or Nick Young um, as well. You know, like if you're attacking a lesser defender, maybe even Looney perhaps just because of his. Uh, I don't think he's got the side to side movement so well, but Jordan Bell, like he's just an able body a kid. He's gonna get in the way. Um, I don't like him coming up. Like it, there's like three guys you maybe can attack with bringing a pick and roll to LeBron. I'd like to see him like post up more and get the ball, you know, like on the at at the uh, edge of the, the the key there. But again, like if, if as soon as they see him put a body on whoever's guarding him, they're gonna be edging off Tristan Thompson or whoever else. Like it's, it's just impossible, man. It's just, it really is. All right. Well, it seems like we're all just thinking that this series is going to be over really soon. I hope we're wrong guys. I really I do. Too. I want, I want yeah. more salary cap. Ha, of course you do. It's always, it's my, it's my go-to. It's what I want. All right, Richard, don't talk anymore because your mic's being wonky, but we don't want to edit this out. Yeah. And at that point, I think we are good to wrap up. Definitely. Uh, Ethan, go ahead and take us on home. Yeah, so the hearable moment of the week. You all will remember it, hopefully fondly, or just remember it and be sad. But Stephen Curry hitting the rainbow shot over Kevin Love. Green pass too low, but Curry recovers. Shot clock winding down. Curry's going to have to put it up, launches it up. Shot clock. Oh, he knocks it down! Steph Curry with the shot clock expiring.